everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Founded and Grounded podcast. Every episode, we unleash the wisdom and tap into the experience of an established guest entrepreneur as they share with us their roller coaster business story from the very beginnings to where they are now, from rags to riches, the successes, the failures, everything in between. We share it with you here on Founded and Grounded, the real world stories of established business people and entrepreneurs, and hopefully information that will help you wherever you are on your own business journey, whether you're just starting up or whether you're a bit further along the curve or whether you're just simply interested. I want to hear a cracking good business yarn. You are all very welcome. And here we are at episode number 12. We are cracking through series two and somewhere across the Great Divide, a few blocks away from me and through the magic of video communication technology is business startup guru, Mr. Ollie Card. Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, Ollie. And we record this on the beautiful, one of the last days of March, actually. It's a stunning, sunny, early spring day. It's the best day of the year so far, weather-wise, and just generally, because everything's starting to loosen up a bit now, which is all good. Just actually been doing a bit of alfresco work in the garden. So, uh, yeah, back in for the podcast now, though. We are living the working-from-home dream at the moment. And hopefully this may be the last video recording we do, folks. So, uh, all being well, the next time you hear us, Ollie and I will be in the same space, uh, sensibly distant, of course, but with the microphones and looking forward to that day when that comes around, Ollie. Bring it on, Andrew. Bring it on. Excellent stuff. Now, before we crack on with today's guest entrepreneur and their stories, we do invite you to get in touch with us. Always great to hear from you via our social platforms, and we'll share those later at the end of the episode. But Ollie, I know we've had some interesting online chit chat on the back of some of our recent episodes, and you've got someone in particular you're going to mention. Yeah, it's always nice to hear from our listeners, um, whether it's, you know, dropping a DM on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, a post on LinkedIn. Just wanted to give a shout out to Ben Chappelle, who did a post back at the start of season two, actually, regarding Alice Stevenson from Stevenson Law. And he did a really good post that got lots of engagement. So people like that who take time to obviously shout about Founded and Grounded, we wanted to reciprocate the favour and give them a shout out on the show. Absolutely. So do get in touch with us and we'll tell you how at the end of this episode. So, Ollie, please now could you reveal the name of this week's mystery entrepreneur or entrepreneurs in this case, isn't it? It is entrepreneurs and sisters, in fact. So I caught up with Nikki and April Dominguez, who have set up a beauty app called Handsome. Excellent stuff. Now, beauty is something we actually covered right at the very beginning of our first series, almost anyway, the second episode in we ever did with Blue from the men's grooming business, Kings. But it's not an area or an industry, Ollie, that we've covered that often, is it? It's not. And it, it's a multi-billion pound industry. And I think there's lots of startups coming into the sector and it is a bit ripe for disruption. So it's really interesting to hear stories like Nikki and April their approach they're taking to enter the industry. And some of the talking points we'll be coming back to in this episode will be about taking this sector, taking this industry seriously. And we'll come back to that later in the episode. Ollie, the theme for this episode is Sister Act, the startup making business beautiful. Now, it's not the first time we've featured one part of a sibling duo or double act. But in this case, we explore a bit deeper and there's some quite interesting outcomes from the conversation we're about to hear with both Nikki and April, isn't there? 
Yeah, really interesting dynamic, actually. I mean, we featured friends, so Joel and James from Orca. We've had brothers, so the Snow Agency and also Crepling. But it's nice to hear two sisters going into business together and the dynamics are slightly different. And we'll get to hear a bit more about that. We will indeed. And we sometimes ask, you know, is it wise to go into business with a friend or with a sibling or a relative? Again, without too much of a spoiler alert, it works out well here, but we'll find out exactly how now as we hear from first Nikki and then April about how handsome their business came to be. So, Ollie, I've been a hairstylist for the last 11 years. I started my career out in Colorado and then moved out to New York for about six years. And throughout my entire career, you know, I've really focused around education, helping salon owners, hairstylists, barbers, educators grow and expand their business and education within the beauty and barber industry. So from my experience with working with thousands of professionals, you know, and being one myself, one of the biggest problems and pain points that I heard across the board and experienced was, you know, where do I find career advice, education and jobs? You know, where do I find information to be able to advance my career and professionalism within the beauty and barber industry? Nikki and I are co-founders and we're also sisters. Um, So we've been mentoring each other and having conversations around business for our entire careers. You know, I started my career off in business here in Austin. I started working at a startup, was the fifth hire there, helped grow that company to over 50 employees. And we raised and deployed over 130 million in joint venture capital. And something that I really recognized in my career that was really in deep contrast to what Nikki was experiencing in her career was that because I was in oil and gas and technology and startups, all of these, you know, what you would call very white male dominated fields, I had access to all of these professional networks that guided me throughout my career. So I was using LinkedIn, Upwork, Dribbble, Behance, RigUp, you name it, an array of different networks where I could find peer support and connection and education in career pathways. And that's something that Nikki was really lacking in the beauty industry. And it's really shocking because the beauty industry is massive globally. It's a massive industry. In the U.S. alone, there are more hairstylists than there are police officers or doctors. Yet it still has this really heavy stigma where beauty professionals are honestly not supported. So that's sort of the problem that Nikki and I saw in tandem together with her career experience compared to mine. So what we did was we came together and we built Handsome, which is a career and education network for beauty and barber professionals to connect to career advice, education, and jobs. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the journey and obviously the problem you're solving in your respective careers. That's really interesting to know. Obviously, as your sisters, looking back a bit further, looking back to your childhood, were there any indications from that point of time that you would have chosen going down this entrepreneurial path? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, for me, I think so, for sure. I mean, I remember being 11 years old and in our neighborhood, I was the neighborhood babysitter. And so, I mean, you know, think about it, an 11 year old babysitting like seven year olds around the neighborhood. And I remember I had a shoebox under my bed and I'd put all my cash under there. 
and like collect it and it'd be like, wow, this is really awesome. You know, so even thinking back that far all the way to where we're at now, I just thrive being able to create things and being able to be a leader in seeing something that doesn't exist and being like, wow, I could really do that. I could really change something. It's kind of been in our blood too. You know, our, our dad was entrepreneurial. He started his own business. Um, and so that's a little bit for my own passion around entrepreneurship, but I'll let April jump in too. Yeah, I definitely think, Ollie, that we grew up in, you know, uh, an environment where we were forced out of our comfort zone and to become independent creators and thinkers at a really young age. My first job, I was 10 years old and I was working out of my dad's manufacturing plant. I don't think I ever saw any of the cash from that job, <laughs> which I don't really think is legal now looking back. But yeah, and so I was 10 when I was working for him. My entire life, I've definitely looked at what I've been doing as a way to de-risk myself, you know, and learn how to become a founder and an entrepreneur and putting myself in those situations so that I can learn from the best. And so I definitely think that Nikki and I, having grown up in that same environment where we were forced out at a young age, attributes a lot to why we are so, one, comfortable with taking risks. And not only that, but it's almost as if it's in us innately that we're not satisfied unless we're solving a problem and creating impact. Were there any other motivations for starting Handsome? I would say that it's the impact piece. For me, myself, having been in oil and gas and investing, for me, I really loved the opportunity of being at this investment startup because the sky's the limit. But I never felt that impact that I was creating. I was in a predominantly white male industry. And I was the only woman at the company for a long period of time, and I was the only minority. And for me, I have always been intrinsically driven to help inspire and empower others that look like me. And so for me, being able to fuse my business knowledge with the industry, the beauty industry, which is 90% women and 66% Black and Latinx, has been a huge motivator in why I've joined with Nikki to create this. The thing that works really well is that we're both using April's word intrinsically motivated. Our values and our mission are deeply aligned. And even though they may be different, they're still, the purpose is still there. I was 17 and I wanted to be a hairstylist. And I remember back then my dad saying, oh, don't go to hair school. You're not going to make money. You're not going to be successful. Go to college. And I was like, wow, really? Okay. Well, I'm going to be successful. You know? So I went to college. I did that whole thing. I have two degrees. And then afterwards, I was not fulfilled at all. You know, I love helping people. I love, you know, being a part, be, such a huge people person, I would say. And so I thought, how can I fuse this desire, you know, with psychology and this internal conversation that I like to have with people with artistry, you know? And so that's hairstyling. And so for me, it's really about changing the stereotypes and the perception of what it means to be a beauty professional in this industry so that future beauty professionals, when their parents say, what do you want to do with your life? It's not oh, don't be a hairstylist. It's like, yeah, go do that. You, you have fun. You're creative. You can be an entrepreneur. You can make a lot of money. You're, it's fulfilling. You know, so for me, I really want to change that stigma across the board of what it really means to be a professional in this industry. Awesome. Love it. I can hear the passion coming through the airwaves. Just taking the listeners back a bit further. So I know you launched a beta back in early 2019, and that was under a different name. Can you tell the listeners a bit about what validation you did to prove that there was enough demand for your product? Even before we launched the beta, we actually were in this proof and validation mode. 
And so what we did in the very, very early days is an array of different things. One is a lot of surveying and interviewing, which Nikki had been doing, you know, throughout the length of her 12 years in the industry, talking to thousands of stylists and salon owners. We pulled them in personally to have these interviews and survey sessions. But what we really did to get a more quantitative assessment and validation was we launched an Instagram ad. We put together this really like... It was just like this scrappy little ad, you know, it wasn't something beautiful or dynamic. It was literally like this scrappy little PowerPoint ad. (laughs) Yeah. And we put it together, but what the ad portrayed was what our vision was for the end solution and not telling the users that the end solution wasn't created yet, but we portrayed what we wanted the end solution to be. And we launched that ad on Facebook and Instagram. And we ended up getting six to 8,000 leads that signed up in about five or six days. So for us, that was a huge indicator because it showed us that the industry is ready and that they see this vision and that they want the opportunity to connect digitally. Just to summarize in terms of what Hanson does, essentially, it's all about peer support, career progression, and essentially it's a marketplace to bring people together. But having read extensive articles about you guys, I know community is a big part of what you do. So what does community mean to you? Oh, man, community within the beauty, especially within the beauty and barber industry. You know, we're a very social profession. We're working with people all day. We're talking to our peers. We're collaborating in the back room about what color we're going to do, what's going to look best. How do I fix this? How do I file my taxes? So it's a very interactive industry to be in. And so when you think about community within the the beauty industry and the way it's historically been, it's been in person, in brick and mortar stores. And so it's been like this very tangible aspect of community. And then this is where really April's expertise comes in as far as community building. We each have our own way of approaching it, but being able to bring the, the way the industry wants to connect digitally is where we complement, you know, our skill sets complement each other. One of my central belief systems my entire life has been that community is a foundation and the central point for anything successful in your life, whether it's with relationships or businesses. When you think about it, everyone wants to have a place where they feel a sense of belonging and they feel a sense of safety to be their authentic selves. And with Handsome, that is our focus. That is our number one key ingredient community and creating this safe place where beauty professionals can empower each other, have authentic conversations, be their authentic selves, and also create their own sub-communities within that. I've got to ask you, what's it like being in business together, being sisters? With any business partnership, there's always going to be those, one, you're, you're going to want to be deeply aligned in your vision and your mission you know, your why. And that's going to be something that really carries you through the good stuff and, you know, the harder things. And so just like with any other relationship, we go through our own challenges, you know, being, being able to be sisters is a huge benefit because um, we have mentored each other for the past 10 years. We know what our, our professional experience is. We know where our expertise lie. Unfortunately for us, it's very much like yin and yang. So we fit perfectly the skill sets that she possesses. I don't have and vice versa. You know, so there's a huge benefit to being able to be, you know, sisters and family and knowing that we can trust each other in this journey. But that doesn't mean to say that it doesn't come along with, you know, your traditional challenges and your untraditional challenges working as sisters. And so that is something that 
we also pride ourselves on is a lot of personal and professional self-development. Being able to know that we're going to both show up as our best selves and do the work that we need to do and learn how to communicate with each other better, learn how to trust each other more with decisions. And so it's been a really unique journey. And I'm really proud of that because not very many people get to do what we get to do. You know, being sisters, being founders, being business partners and having a mission that aligns deeply. Sorley, we touched upon it there in our introduction, but beauty as an industry, as a profession, is not probably taken as seriously as it might be. Now, that's not to say there aren't already successful beauty businesses out there. Obviously, you're going to go look at L'Oreal, for example. But at a startup level, what Nikki and April's story made me realise is that actually not many people maybe take it seriously at entry level where, where they're at. Indeed, Andrew. And I think sometimes, particularly in the UK, I think because if you're going into the beauty industry, you're probably going to do vocational qualifications and training at maybe further education colleges rather than going down the university route. I think sometimes there's a bit of a stigma involved with that. But I think the world is definitely changing. University isn't the default go to route anymore, particularly with lots of stuff being delivered virtually. And I think that the beauty industry is pretty ripe for innovation here in the UK. And I see a lot of startups come through trying to disrupt the beauty sector. So it's really good and encouraging to see. Um, Ola, just before we continue, they've mentioned on a few occasions something called a beta or beta, <laughs> depending how you want to pronounce it. So just for people listening who aren't quite sure what that means in a startup or new business context, could you just quickly explain, please? Yeah, in simple terms, Andrew, it means the second version of the app. So Alpha is traditionally the first launch, which is very much an application built for internal consumption. And then Beta is the second version that goes out to a wider demographic externally. Brilliant. Thank you, Ollie. Now, talking about their business idea, I know, Ollie, you often say that going out and getting validation for your business idea is a really critical step on the road to starting a business. And what Nikki and April did here proved that you don't need to spend a lot of money doing this, do you? No, you don't. And I think if you don't do the validation stage, then you can waste so much time, effort, crafting your pitch, your message, your product, your service. But at the end of the day, if you don't do the validation, you don't know if anybody actually wants or needs what you're building. So validation is critical. I think the way that they did it in terms of doing testing on Instagram is very clever. So they're essentially seeing what messages stuck and what response they got to those those messages. So a very clever way of doing some testing. Yeah, social media is very good like that, actually, because it's a real barometer and an indicator of what people go for and what people are indifferent about. And even better, the fact, in many cases, it's free. Definitely something that founders should be exploiting to their benefit. Let's move on then. And we need to talk about the C word, in this case, community. Now, community is something that both Nikki and April have put at the heart of their business, the thing that they've made their number one focus. Now, it's a word that is used very frequently. It's been central to their business success and central to how they've grown. Most definitely. And I think a very simple version or definition of community is common unity. So what unites people, what brings people together? 
And I think they've done that very well in their business. Obviously, Nikki's got a vast experience of working within the industry, working her way up. And so she knows the ins and outs, what it's like for beauty professionals. They don't get lots of career progression, development opportunities. There's not much networking. So their community is all about that. And they're solving a very meaningful problem and actually building the community from the ground up. Yeah, I suppose the other clever thing about their business idea is that they're already tapping into an existing community. The fact that we have beauticians, hair salon owners, etc., who are already talking to each other, who are already that community. They were basically meeting a need of that community. They're tapping into that. I suppose in many ways, it's a bit of a gift for a founder, isn't it? That you've got a ready-made community out there that's simply missing or lacking something and you're tapping into that. But they're there ready and waiting for you. Indeed, and I think that's why they've received such good traction so far and growth. The fact that existing communities are probably a bit siloed and they're actually bringing them together to create more impact and have that multiplier effect. And just finally, Ollie, for this part of the conversation, we made the theme of this edition about going into business with your siblings, sister as we call it. And what was quite interesting was how they described this. Now, we touched upon sibling businesses very briefly in previous episodes, but I think this is the most in-depth we've discussed it. And I thought it was quite interesting what they said there about what it's like being a business of sisters. What was particularly touching, I guess, but also impressive was that they used that as pressure in the nicest kind of way to put on themselves individually to, in their words, show up for each other and with a particular emphasis on personal development. Yeah, and I think they've got each other's back. That, That really came across in the interview. And I think that the fact that they've got very differing skill sets is really fundamental to the success of the business. They've got really different backgrounds. So actually coming together on a shared goal, I think that's why they've received so much success to date is because of that complementary skill sets and the fact that they're blood and they, they know each other so well. Do you think if you're going to business, say, with a relative, so like a brother or sister or a good friend, do you think in that respect it's easier to achieve that level of you know holding each other to account and taking personal development seriously and being serious about what you're doing versus if you're a sole trader or a one man or one woman band where maybe there isn't that pressure or you want to work harder to to get to that level of if like putting yourself on the spot and, and and forcing yourself forwards? I think you get a lot more benefits from it because essentially you know each other inside out. And excuse my French, but you can probably call bullshit on one another. You know when someone isn't working to their best of their ability or they're not reaching their true potential and you can call each other out and really bring out the best in each other. So I think that dynamic is invaluable. Great. Well, thank you for that, Ollie. Let's move on now to the next part of our conversation with Nikki and April. And as we do with all of our guest entrepreneurs on Founding the Grounded, we like to dig out the challenges, the rough stuff, the things that maybe got in the way of where they are today. So here's what Nikki and April had to say about the challenges they overcame to get handsome up and running. Hmm. I mean, I think we've faced multiple challenges. You know, COVID actually leaned in our benefit. So I don't like to say that because obviously it really hurt a lot of businesses and hurt a lot of, you know, the economy largely across the globe and the U.S., Um, But it really did benefit our business because people needed a place to connect. People needed that community. They needed answers to a lot of these questions that nobody had answers to, you know. So it it really brought our community online and it really proved the need for what we're doing even more so, not just within our industry, but within um, the VC world as well. 
people started to see the need for, you know, vertical networks, um, very specialized vertical networks. So our biggest challenge and struggle, I would say, was really throughout that, that fundraising journey. April and I are two, obviously, female founders, minority female founders. And so for us, it was in the beauty industry and technology, right? So we have a lot of these factors kind of playing against us, not for us. And so it's been a big challenge across the board with fundraising and really proving to the VC world and investors that what we're doing is needed. Because a lot of these VCs are led by, you know, older white men who don't really relate to the beauty industry, don't really recognize the need for it. And so we had to go through it and be very strategic and we had to just hustle and prove what we were doing was needed. And so it was a very much like raise, build, raise, build methodology that we did, um, not intentionally, but we had no choice but to do. From my viewpoint, I would say that was probably the biggest challenge that we had faced. April, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I agree a thousand percent. Actually, when COVID hit, both of us kind of looked at each other and we were like, well, here we go again, because this is the world that we've been living in is like on a shoestring budget and not knowing what's going to happen and having no sense of certainty. It really has been the most difficult part is kind of going up to bat against the venture capital world and not having been really immersed in that world to, to start off with. And for me, going into it really naively, not honestly believing the statistics that are out there that less than 0.4%, that's less than half of a percent of venture capital dollars go to Latina female founders. Both of us kind of went into this like, oh, we're the exception to the rule. And it, it was a, a rude awakening, you know, a smack in the face of how difficult it really, really is. But also really grateful for those challenges because for us, that again leans into our mission of being able to pull forward other people, female founders and underrepresented people forward so that they can do what we're doing as well. You're listening to Founded and Grounded. Reality, reassurance and inspiration every fortnight for the startup community. So let's quickly touch upon COVID because we've done well not to mention it so far in this podcast. But what struck me was that Nikki and April were primed and ready for when COVID struck. Obviously, they weren't expecting it, but their business model meant that when everyone went online, they were there and ready. It was the right timing for an online app, essentially bringing those people together. But obviously, it had other downsides about they were due to receive an investment and the plug got pulled on that. I think what the pandemic has done for Handsome is that it's made them really think on their feet and adapt to the changing circumstances. And I think that's really a true sign of good entrepreneurs is the ability to adapt to external factors and be able to roll with the punches and reevaluate your business model and use different marketing strategies based on the climate you're in. And I think that's why they've done so well to come out of COVID. Okay, let's move on from the pandemic to, I'd say, probably the more profound of the challenges that they had to overcome. Now, we've already spoken about the stigma of the beauty industry in the eyes of certain people, but that wasn't the only thing they had to overcome here, was it, Ollie, as two Latino females? No, and, you know, the world of venture capital has got an overproportion of white men of a certain age who may be going grey. So obviously two Latino sisters showing up and asking for investment. They certainly don't look like your typical investor. I think the upper hand that they had 
was the fact that Nikki has got a background in investing. So she had lots of good contacts, which is obviously what it's all about when you're looking for investment. But also before COVID hit, she said she was going out to 10 networking events every single week, banging down the doors and getting her name out there to meet with investors. So I think their tenacity and the fact that they're literally bashing doors down meant that they were able to attract investment. It's a tough one, though, Ollie, because not everyone is going to have that level of determination and tenacity as much as you do need it when you're starting a business. And it maybe just shows what people in this country, we don't have as big a Latino population, but we obviously have other ethnic groups who are looking to go into business. Ollie, here, you have an interesting statistic. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously for UK businesses. There's a massive gap in terms of female founders in particular. Only one in three UK entrepreneurs is female. And that's a gender gap equivalent to about 1.1 million missing businesses from the UK economy, which is absolutely massive. That was a review undertaken called the Rose Review. And it actually stated in the report that up to 250 billion of new value could be added to the UK economy if more women started and scaled businesses at the same rate as men. Well, I mean, I was talking there earlier about the barriers from a racial point of view but just from a gender point of view it just shows the achievement of of Nikki and April to get handsome off the ground doesn't it and what makes it even harder Andrew is obviously if you're a woman from a minority background obviously your chances of raising investment or starting a business are even more against you so I think the fact that Nikki and April have got this business off the ground and it's going great guns over in the US and they're looking at international expansion speaks volumes and hopefully some people can take some inspiration from Nikki and April listening to the show. Okay, Ollie, thank you for that. Let's move on to the final part of this episode. Uh, And this is where we now get the crystal ball out. We look to the future and we also wrap up with a question for you, the listener, and also a piece of advice. Anyway, here's Ollie to pick up again with Nikki and April. Could you tell me where you want the business to be in five years' time? You know, in five years, we want to be the globally recognized resource for all careers in beauty. So all things in beauty. What we see is that the way that when someone says, oh, I want a a package or a delivery on demand, you think of Amazon. I want to research something, you think of Google. I want to discover something in beauty, you think of handsome. So we want to be the number one recognized brand and a, a household name for all beauty professionals that they're carrying handsome on their phone and in their pocket and using it in their daily lives to help them find their next job, find the next scholarship, find their next business partner, learn how to go mobile and be a mobile barber or hairstylist. Can you just tell the listeners a bit about your current reach in the U.S.? And also, which other markets you're currently in? So we are currently only available in the U.S. on iOS, so we don't have an Android version yet. Right now, we have a little over 25,000 community members on our platform. Next, we plan on opening in Canada, Australia, South America, Europe. And we've chosen these places specifically because of the message that the industry that's based in those locations brings to the industry as a whole. So very strategic in that. And we also know that South America, Latin America have a huge reach of underrepresented people that we really want to be able to connect and provide those resources for as well. Great stuff. 
And now it's an opportunity for you both to ask our listeners a question. Have you got anything that you want to ask? My question for all the listeners out there would be, what do you guys think it takes to be a good beauty or barber professional? You know, because a lot of the the listeners are not all going to be hairstylists or barbers, but they go see them. And when you think about that, that what we're doing actually impacts every person on earth that goes to a beauty or barber professional, right? You know, so I would really ask everybody to kind of stop and pause for a moment and really think about what it takes to be in this industry. Just kind of ponder that because these are people that you're trusting with your self-esteem, with conversations, with your time, with your energy. And so, yeah, that, that's what I would like everybody to kind of just think about for a moment. Really think about the things that it takes to be a good beauty or barber professional, you know, emotional intelligence. You need to know how to read people how to interact with them, technique, knowing how to do your job properly and safely, business, being able to operate a business and rebook clients and actually make money in a career, and openness, being willing to learn and constantly searching for new answers and new motivation to to continue your career throughout your lifetime. Perfect. So Nikki and April, could you please give our listeners just one piece of advice that you'd pass on to somebody thinking of starting a business for the first time? Yeah, that's a a great question. For me, what has continued to help push me forward and is the reason that I started, but is also something that can easily be lost in the grind of everything is connecting to your why and connecting to your why on a daily basis. It's not like you think about the why you know, and set this overarching goal and then you get to work for six months and you dismiss it. It's like every single morning before you get into work, every single evening, you're connecting like in your gut to why, why am I doing this? You're relating that to serving people somehow. And for me, that has been the biggest game changer and and helped me continue to stay motivated is continuously sourcing why I'm doing it and also knowing that what I'm doing is serving the benefit of others and not just myself, because what we're building is bigger than ourselves. See, this is how you know, Ollie, that we're sisters. It was like she was reading my mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good answer. It's a, a really good one. I think being able to connect with your why is very, very important. I'll go in a different direction then. You know, I think you just have to get started. You just have to get started and believe in what you're you're doing. It's a very tough and lonely journey. And so doing whatever you can do to stay whole, you know, as whole as you can. And that includes eating well, getting rest, exercising, you know, meditation, journaling, fun, friends, family, whatever it is that is in your life and not letting those things fall off. I think that A lot of times, um, especially in startup life, there's this pride in the hustle, in the grinding aspect of it. And for me, that I tried to live that uh, mindset and lifestyle, and it didn't work for me. Um, It was really detrimental to my to my own self. And so I think finding harmony and balance within your life, however you can, that serves you, so you can better serve what you're doing every day, is really really important. You know, that's something that. I have really discovered throughout the last three years is is being able to be a startup founder in my own terminology and not kind of what the society startup hustle grind 
tells you that you have to be in order to be successful. Awesome advice. Absolutely love it. Um, And just picking up on one of the points that you mentioned about just getting started. Obviously, there's sometimes some big psychological barriers that don't let people start a business. How would you advise overcoming them? Just get started. (laughs) I think that you've just got to like take it down to the really small tactical steps of like, what is something really, really small that I can do today? Stop thinking about the huge concept of I want to start a business and there's a million things. It's like, what small three steps can you take today? And then what small three steps can you take tomorrow? And then three more steps the next day. And if you can start to break down, you know, that getting started, which feels like a hundred impossible tasks into three little steps each day, then it doesn't seem as daunting. Yeah. And then reward yourself after those steps too, you know, because it does seem like, well, I'm not moving anywhere. If you're looking at a bigger picture that you want to be in five, 10 years, well, you, it's going to take five or 10 years to get there. So you do have to reward yourself along the way and be like, yay, I did these three things and then do it again tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. So where can people find you? Oh, you can find us on social media. You can find us in the app store. We are called Handsome, the Beauty and Barber app in iOS. You can find us on social media at handsome underscore app. And you can find Nikki and I on Clubhouse. If you are on Clubhouse, we have a lot of conversations regarding beauty and barber professionals. I'm at April Snow. Nikki is at Handsome Nikki. Yeah, just feel free to search us by Handsome. If you go to handsomeapp.com, all of our links are there as well. Nikki and April, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you on Founded and Grounded. Thank you so much for having us on, Ollie. We've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thanks, Ollie. So Ollie, I think the beauty about being this kind of business is that you can be in people's pockets all over the place. Yeah, it's got that scalability and that potential reach that it can scale globally. So I think that's a really exciting thing about this business because it's it's solving a very meaningful problem in the industry. And Ollie, do you think it's a matter of time before we see them here in the UK as handsome? I think they've definitely got plans to globalise the app. I think Europe is on the list of its expansion plans. Do we count as Europe? Sorry. (laughs) I think we're still in Europe. Geographic anyway. Excellent. Just on that, actually, and it goes back to the conversation we had earlier about the challenges and the stigma around the beauty industry and setting up in this sector. That was the basis of the question that Nikki and April had for you, the listener. So just to reiterate, they asked what attributes you think are required for success in this industry? Does it come down to, and here are the four things they suggested, emotional intelligence, technique, business acumen, or openness to learning and new approaches? It could even be something else. So that's what April and Nikki would love to know from you, the listener, and how to do that and how to share that with us. Well, here's some information on our social platforms from Freya Scott. You can find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. On both Instagram and Twitter, we're Founded Grounded. And on Facebook, we're Founded and Grounded. So give us a follow to keep updated. Okay, thank you very much indeed there to Freya over in Social Media Corner. And just a quick reminder once again to get in touch with us as well as to uh, pick up on anything you've heard in this episode or previous episodes. Please do just get in touch and say hello and also tell your friends, contacts and colleagues and networks about the Founded and Grounded podcast and how it could change your life for the better. 
Ollie, let's quickly wrap up then for this episode and that one piece of advice. And actually, this is a really, 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 really interesting piece of advice. The first one, asking yourself the why, which is, you know, I'm sure we've covered that in previous episodes, but in particular, why you exist as a business, not just for yourself, but for the betterment of others, which I thought was a, a great way of looking at it. It is a great way of looking at it. And I think what value, what service are you providing that's benefiting other people's lives? And when you can talk about that with passion, then you know you're in the right business. I also thought their suggestion about actually having it there visible at your desk, your why being front of mind every day is really important because sometimes we all know why we started our business. Actually reminding yourself about that on a daily basis gives you that increased motivation. Just a further quick question on that. Do you think as we start slowly to merge into a sort of a post lockdown world, I've got to say post COVID, but I don't think we're going to be free of COVID for some time yet. Do you think actually there may be more businesses and more startups which are about making life better now that we've had a chance to observe our lives, observe the rate at which we live our lives and how we live our lives? Do you think there might be more businesses that have a more meaningful and considered focus to them? I think so, because people have had more times on their hands to reflect and think. So I think actually thinking about tackling meaningful problems that are going to improve people's lives are probably going to come to fruition a lot more. So I, I think in, in answer to your question, yes. Great. Thank you. Excellent. The other thing I was going to pick up on, which I thought was really interesting, was the point they made about staying whole in their words, giving thought to your personal well-being, which has been top of many people's lists in recent months as we've had to deal with the pressures of lockdown and, and of mental health issues and that sort of thing. But what I thought was particularly interesting was that it's not just about the hustle and trying to live up to a startup stereotype. You've got to define yourself. And I thought this was a really good point that people maybe go into thinking, oh, I've got to be a certain thing. I've got to live a certain life or live at a certain tempo. And it's very easy to be sucked into that because people look at other startups and think, you know, I want a piece of that. But actually, it's what you make it. And that's not to say that it ducks the hard work and the, the heartache and the long hours, et cetera, et cetera. But it's what you make it. You don't have to be like another startup in terms of how they run their business, do you, Ollie? It's about defining yourself. No, and you've got to do what works for you personally. You know, there's lots of talk about things like meditation, journaling, going for a walk, going for a run, whatever you want to do. Find out what works for you. Not all of those things may work and they don't have to. What you need to be able to do is work to the best of your own ability. I heard a great analogy recently that was saying about comparing this to Formula One racing. The fastest car that goes round the track isn't going to win the race without taking a pit stop and changing their tyres. So if you think about that in a concept of running your business, you need to take time out in your day to... Do whatever you need to do, whether that's taking a walk, going for a run, picking up the phone to a friend or family member, whatever that is, you need to build that into your day to ensure that you're taking those pit stops. And Ollie, do you think people do make the mistake of trying to live a startup lifestyle and maybe trying to emulate or copy what other businesses do and not really thinking about their own needs or their own business? Do you think that's a, a mistake that you see often? Unfortunately, I think it is. I think there's a glorification of the startup life and the hustle, whatever you want to call it, which quite frankly is a load of rubbish. Essentially, if you're trying to play by somebody else's rules and follow how they did something, then 
they're not you. Like that's not going to work for you personally. You've got to think about yourself and what works for you. So I think trying to work, you know, 90 hour weeks and not get any rest, that's just a load of rubbish because you're going to come and stuck someday soon. Yeah, it's not all about ping pong and uh, craft beer, is it, Ollie? <laughs> There's a time and place for a ping pong and craft beer, but yeah, no, completely it's not. Excellent stuff. Okay, and on that profound note, Ollie, I think we're going to have to leave it there. That's us done for this episode. So just coming back for our theme for this episode, Sister Act. Ollie, proof that siblings can still make it in the world of business. Yeah, well, you can see from Nikki and April how successful they've been. So I think if you are considering going into a business with your sibling, then go for it. Good stuff. All right, well, uh, that's us done for this episode. Many thanks once again to April and Nikki. We wish them all the best with Handsome, and who knows, we may see them over on these shores very soon. In the meantime, though, Ollie, we're done for another instalment of Founded and Grounded. Just before we go, I believe you want to put in a cheeky blatant plug for something you're organising. <laughs> yeah, if that's okay, Andrew. I just wanted to share with our listeners an event we're running on the 28th of April. It's an online event, obviously, starting at 7pm to half past eight. It's called Thinking of Starting a Business But Don't Know Where to Start. So it's for people at the idea stage who are facing those barriers. You know, how do I fund my startup? I'm not confident enough to start a business. How do I get my first customer? The event is being hosted by small business journalist Dan Martin and featuring a panel of startup businesses from a range of different sectors. So it's one to not be missed and it's free to attend. No problem, Ollie. Thanks for sharing that with us. We're going to head out now and enjoy the sunshine again. And all being well, Ollie, in a few weeks' time, you and I will be facing across the table somewhere with the mics and away from all this video nonsense. Ollie, I look forward to that day coming. Can't wait, Andrew. It's been far too long. Well, you have been listening to the Founder and Grounded podcast with myself, Andrew Parsonage, featuring the vocal talents and business acumen of Mr. Ollie Collard and also the voice talents of Miss Freya Scott. Thank you also to Matteo in our marketing team. We'll be back next time round with another instalment from the world of entrepreneurship. So we look forward to your company then. Until then, as we always say on Founder and Grounded, we're not quite out of the woods yet. So please do take care of yourself. Look out for each other and yourself, obviously. And do stay in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And join us again very soon. We appreciate your company. We thank you for joining us here on Founded and Grounded. Until the next time then, cheerio.